0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: Is the news making you sick? What does it mean if we discuss that sort of topic? Well, I want to open our talkback lines, your opportunity to participate in our conversation today. We're going to be talking about that question, is the news making you sick? At 1-800-316-316, you might like to contribute to our conversation. There is <clears throat> pardon me, There is some suggestion that the news ain't what it used to be. You've heard that terminology, fake news, and alternate facts. Well, they're the new catch cry of spin doctors, where finding the truth is more like wading through layers of propaganda, being pumped out to support opposing ideologies. Well, in fact, if you've been around for a while, you'll be able to tell the news has changed, And it's not just the fact that you now read it on a computer screen rather than off a broadsheet. More and more people are opting out of the news because they're entirely sick of it. Or they only read the news that suits their perception of reality. So what is going on? Where can you get high-quality news these days? Can you really know what's going on in your community throughout the nation and the big wide world? Well, Bernie Dimatt is going to be joining us uh, through this coming hour. Of course, uh, Bernie's history after graduating from the Royal Military College Duntroon as an officer in the Australian Army and then running an international IT consulting firm with a couple of business partners partners these days, he's able to share the good news of Jesus through radio programs as the CEO and Bible teacher of the Australian-based global media ministry called Christianity Works. And you'll no doubt be familiar with Bernie as one of the popular Bible teachers here on Vision. Well, each week, literally millions of people listen in to those messages through over a 1,000 radio stations in 160 countries around the world. So it's our privilege to have Bernie Dimatt join us today. Hello, Bernie. Welcome back to 2020.
2: Thanks, Neil. It's great to be with
1: you. Bernie, uh, you're doing all sorts of things. uh, Every now and then when I'm in touch with you, you're travelling overseas. Uh, how's Christianity Works going? You've, you've been doing a lot of travelling just recent times.
2: Yes, I've spent a lot of times overseas recently in India and in Africa and in Europe. Look, uh, God is really blessing the ministry and, and we're reaching more and more people um, with some exciting new projects on the go, on, and particularly in the area of television. So, look, it's not about the ministry. It's about the people that are being reached with, uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's a bit that really excites me. Mm.
1: We might talk about some more of uh, the developments with Christianity Works very shortly. Let's get into our conversation today, because if we ask that question, is the news making you sick? It caught my eye when I saw one of your articles just recently. Uh, what do you mean by making you sick when we talk about the news?
2: Well... A lot of people are sick and tired of the news, and, and frankly, I'm one of the people who has opted out of the, the evening uh, television news bulletin. I mean it used to be the day when one would religiously sit down to the six o'clock or the seven o'clock news, and, and just about everyone would, would watch the news. As you said, we're consuming news in a different way. Um, but what I see coming through many of the news services in the evening news is more junk food than real food. And you and I know that, that if we live on junk food, ultimately we're going to be sick. Um, and, and when I analyse, let's say, the one-hour commercial news bulletin on the major networks these days, let me tell you, not a lot of that one hour is spent on, on hard, important news.
1: Well, it's interesting, isn't it, when we talk hard, important news, because that might be less entertaining than some of the softer spin-type news and, you know, the inevitable inclusion of stories about cats or goats. Uh, the idea of hard news, it's not so exciting, so it's it's more about entertainment than it is about actually information.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, media has to be entertaining. If, if people aren't don't feel that, that they're enjoying it, then they're going to switch off. But there are some complex issues that are presented i mean the whole refugee issue which is so much in the news here in australia at the moment um so often it's just glib and it's tried and we're given 30 seconds or 40 seconds on news we move on to the next thing and and sure there's a place for human interest stories as they're called in the news media um no doubt about that but it just bothers me that the important issues aren't really analyzed and discussed in a fulsome way so often in the news new services that we use to consume news.
1: Well, you know, it was only a week or two ago uh, we heard that Fairfax had in fact uh, had to let go a whole lot of journalists and a downsizing, or some people refer to the idea of right-sizing, uh, the idea that advertising revenues are decreasing and and they're not able to afford uh, to pay the number of journalists they used to pay. Fewer journalists. Uh, That has has to affect uh, the way that news is presented in the broad media, Bernie.
2: Totally. And journalists are particularly expensive resources. Um, And, yes, the the traditional revenue models of of media outlets, whether they be newspapers, whether they be radio news services or television news services, those revenue models are really being threatened. Even cable television. I mean, if you look at Sky News on on Foxtel, which is the major cable network here in Australia. I mean, how many people still subscribe to Foxtel? I know that we kind of got rid of Foxtel because Netflix is here now, right? And for $9.95, you can, you can basically have all that you can eat and more on Netflix. And so everybody's traditional revenue models are being threatened by digital media, by um, free digital resources. And so they are cutting back on journalists. And, and once you cut back on journalists who have... A loyalty to their profession, um, then all of a sudden you're going to get news that's um, much cheaper and and much less analytical.
1: Because when we talk about news, we still have a 24-hour news cycle and we still have the ability to access news coming from Uh, really all the major newspapers, online these days. And so there's a 24-hour cycle that continues uh, even with newspapers, but uh, as you're you're referring to television, but fewer Mm -hmm. journalists, but the same big 24-hour cycle means the quality lessens. Well, can I say, I think it's a bigger cycle um, because
2: back when you and I were young, now that's a long time ago, but back when you and I were young, um, most most television networks, for example, had... Uh, maybe one or two news services in the whole day. Newspapers were published once every 24 hours. Now, I expect to be able to go to my mobile phone to the newspaper that I subscribe to and get the up-to-date articles of what's happening pretty much immediately on my mobile phone. So they actually have a, a bigger news cycle to fill and fewer journalists because the traditional models of funding are being threatened.
1: OK, well, when you've got fewer journalists, uh, you've got people who are uh, trying to get their name on the media and oftentimes driven by uh, spin merchants, spin doctors, we sometimes call them. And this is, uh, this is something that, that influences the way news is presented because there is a whole lobbying that's going on, uh, spin merchants putting their spin on a particular story, trying to create uh, some excitement about a new headline.
2: look, I think there's two parts to that. There's no doubt that headlines are more and more trying to grab your attention. I'm sitting here, I'm looking at my local newspaper, the Sydney Morning Herald at the moment. I happen to subscribe to it. I'm on their app on my iPad as we speak. I look at one of the main news stories, leaks reveal Labor split over Medicare levy. Now... When you read the article, what you you find is there was some robust debate within the Labor Party about the Medicare levy and the policies of the Turnbull government. But there isn't a split. I mean, the party's not falling apart, yet that word split has been inserted into the headline purely to get you to have a look at that piece of news. I think that's the first thing, that news headlines are more and more being sensationalised to try and grab our ever-decreasing Um, attention spans we need to realize that Uh, if you do an analysis of the things that you read probably the ones you go to most are the ones that have a sensational headline that grabs your attention that's the first thing the second thing is in the face of reducing journalistic resources um, what many news editors are doing is they're almost accepting unchanged pieces written by PR agencies PR agencies abound. Um, Political parties use them. um, Large corporates use them. Even small organisations are now using um, PR agencies. And those guys are paid lots of money because of their connections into media, because they know some journalist who's under time pressure. And they'll feed that journalist an article. um, And that article, in many cases, will go into the press under that journalist's name completely unchanged or with a few little tweaks because the journalistic resources are under pressure. So when you read an article, for instance, about logging in Tasmania, um, about mining, about uh, and it's not just those natural resource industries, it's all sorts of industries, um, and you think, hang on, let me re- let me look at the perspective of that there. This is actually promoting A or, or, or defending B or attacking C. Why is that? What's the agenda behind that? And who actually wrote the article? Answer is you and I don't
1: know and the issue of advertising because as advertising moves out of uh, the broadsheets and onto the internet and that's this is not something new this is happening in in a significant way the idea of that headline that catchy headline uh, that causes you to click on it sometimes uh, sometimes the catchy headlines are called clickbait uh, or the catchy picture or whatever uh, but I'm about to
2: talk about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so that draws us into uh, the online presence of that particular news outlet. Uh, but it's advertising driven, so not necessarily based on the integrity of the news.
2: No, I mean there's a lot of clickbaiting going on. You you've seen it on Facebook, and you won't believe what happened next. You know that that sort of thing, um, and it, it drags you in. And you see, the other thing is that increasingly, Facebook is becoming a main source of news. For many people, in other words, they don't engage with the evening news, they don't listen to the news on radio during the day, they don't go to some um, source that has at least some professional journalistic um, uh, resources, they actually just go to Facebook and go, oh, look, the Pope said this, the Pope said A, B and C. So they don't read that, and they believe it as though it's true, without any proof whatsoever that the Pope actually said A, B or C. Um, and, And it's this fake news that's now passing itself off as real news. And Neil, if you and I had been talking about this 10 years ago, we would never have believed in a million years that people would be swallowing fake news, hook, line and sinker. But in fact, that's exactly what they're doing. And fake news is completely changing the perceptions of many, many people. Scary stuff.
1: And uh, fake news has also become the excuse uh, when there's an accusation made uh, by politicians. And of course, this was brought out very solidly through the U.S. election campaign and the introduction of the idea of fake news. It's all fake news. Anything that's negative about me is fake news. So it does create all sorts of confusions. And then you and
2: I, we have absolutely no idea what's true and what's not. So then we start behaving emotionally. Um, we start behaving almost tribally. I think a lot of our politics has become very, very tribal And we subscribe to the left or the right or wherever you happen to be on the political spectrum. And we simply go with what that agenda is pushing. And we almost don't care if it's true as long as our tribe wins, as long as our team
1: wins. So if you're on the left side of politics or the right side of politics, the temptation is to to, uh, manoeuvre your thinking towards your side. So you try to keep up with what your side typically is saying. But when you've got a situation where uh, the mainstream media and uh, a lot of people I talk to, commentators uh, suggest that much of the mainstream media is left-leaning uh, then finding somewhere that is a right-leaning side uh, on the uh, the reporting of politics uh, really is quite difficult. So uh, so the left is actually getting some sort of uh, level of increased uh, priority because of their prevalence. Yeah,
2: That's interesting. I mean, one of my techniques, one of the things that I personally do, I mean, it's one thing for us to talk about the problem. Let's talk about some solutions. One of the things that I personally do is I read a news article, let's say. I mean, mostly I consume by reading. Just excuse me. Sorry, a bit of a frog in my throat. okay. Um, And so I, I read an article, and what I try and look at is what is the agenda? Let's stop consuming the news uncritically, and that means we have to think about it. As I, as I read the words and read the article, what are some of the, the emotive words that are used in the article? For instance, I left, that article I mentioned earlier about the, about the Labor Party, and by the way, my politics is, is completely irrelevant in all of this. You'll never discover what my politics are. Um, Bill Shorten dismissed the advice of a majority of his shadow cabinet. Now, there is a piece of emotive reporting. He dismissed the advice. Did he really? Do we know that? Or did he simply make a decision as a leader, looking at all the things that he had to look at and made a balanced decision? That word, he dismissed the advice of the majority of his uh, shadow cabinet, is is really quite emotive reporting. It doesn't actually tell us anything. It simply told us all we do know is that Bill Shorten made a certain decision about what he thinks about the Medicare levy. And so I try and read news articles and listen to news articles in a critical fashion to say, what's the agenda behind this? And, and actually, out of all of that, what are the facts? What, what do we know here? Because I want to make up my own mind about what I think about Bill Shorten or, or our Prime Minister, Mr Turnbull, or any of the other politicians that happen to be in, in, in our sphere. Uh, too often we just consume this. We go, well, Bill Shorten did dismiss the advice of his majority of his cabinet. Well, we don't know that.
1: Well, Bernie, as a Christian, uh, you've got uh, not only different sides of politics, but you've also got the position that your faith might lead you to or a biblical understanding of truth might lead you to. And so there is some level of advantage, isn't there, as a Christian, because you've got a objective point by which you can actually make assessment of what is true and what's not.
2: I think so. There should be. I'm not sure whether we as Christians always play to that advantage. I think there's almost for for some Christians uh, an implication that being a Christian means that you should belong to the conservative side of politics. Um, You see that particularly in America with with the Christian right. And and frankly, some of the stuff that the Christian right dish up in America, I find pretty frightening and pretty hateful and not particularly reflective of the gospel. That's, That's another issue. I wonder whether we can become even tribalistic about the Christian agenda. Can we go to the issue of, of same-sex marriage, right? Um, as a Christian, I have some very strong beliefs about same-sex marriage. They're based on the Bible. They're well-reasoned beliefs. But do I want to beat the gay lobby over the head with my beliefs? Is that, in fact, my job? Is it my job to win the argument? Or is it my job to love people into the kingdom of God, sharing a well-reasoned, well articulated argument that often will be rejected. Sometimes it comes to, we want our side to win. And being a Christian is not about having your side win. Check out Jesus on the cross, right? Jesus lost, and yet through his loss, he won the greatest victory in all of eternity. So, yeah, sure, we can come from a biblical perspective, Um, We can say, well, the Bible says this, and that's what I believe, which is what I believe. Um, But sometimes I don't think we're that good at interpreting the news through a biblical worldview because we're too interested in our team winning. That kind of makes
0: sense. Mm, It does. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense
1: of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on vision our special guest this hour is bernie dimott bernie is a bible teacher and leads the australian-based global media ministry called christianity works our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 we're asking that question is the news making you sick Uh, bernie let's take a call from john in somerset in tasmania hello john welcome along
3: uh, good morning, Bernie and Neil. There's two things that uh, fascinate me in this debate. One is what kind of philosophy as regards truth and whether it can be known or otherwise is behind those who present news. Uh, we live in a pluralist society and many people think that. Uh, uh, my truth is another bloke's lie, and that neither of them are really true anyhow, or knowable as true as ultimate truth. The other thing is the issue of data control and media power. We saw the propaganda machines of the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany, and one of the most dangerous things of the mass media is when its control is in the hands of a few like-minded persons, uh, they can manipulate the information on which we make up our minds on things.
1: John, important points you're making. A response from Bernie Diamond.
3: Great question, John. What is truth? I think uh, Pontius Pilate
2: asked that a few thousand years ago. (laughs) He did indeed. What is is truth? Um, And, you know... I. It's interesting. If I go back to my experience, um, one of the things I did in my IT consulting career is that I worked as an expert witness in some fairly large IT litigations. And it was a really interesting experience because I had to go from convincing people of something, which was normally what I did as a consultant, to, to presenting evidence to the court which proved or disproved what I was saying. And there's actually a big difference between convincing someone of something and presenting evidence of the truth. Now, journalists traditionally had to check their sources and have, have something confirmed with two or, two or three sources um, before, they, um, before they presented a piece of news. Interesting, that comes right from the Bible as well, that, uh, that we're told that, that we need two or three witnesses. Um, but, but I think the, the news, a lot of the news, has moved much more to simply trying to convince us of the agenda of the particular person um, that's presenting the news. For instance, if I can go back to the same-sex marriage debate as an example, Um, often issues around same-sex marriage, I read an article about that, and the the article is presented as though, well, it's obvious that we should have same-sex marriage in this country, and anybody who doesn't agree with that is simply a homophobe and a bigot. If you read the article, not saying all articles, but a lot of articles, and that's what you actually read. So I think people are far less interested in the truth in this age of infotainment where we want to be entertained. I think the consumers are far less interested in the truth, Um, and, and we as Christians should, in fact, be interested in the truth. We as Christians should be very much like a jury in a murder trial where the only thing that you are allowed to consider in determining the guilt or the innocence of the accused is the evidence that is presented before you as the jury. I think that's an onus on us. I I think we need to start getting better at at discerning what is true and what is simply a manipulation or an attempt to to, um, convince us of someone else's agenda.
1: And John from Somerset, you also made an important point too about control of the media, and uh, I think you hearkened back to uh, the Nazi Germany, and, uh, and there might be plenty of those sorts of examples of where uh, dictators come to power or those who want to control a people come to power. Uh, control of the media is very important. So uh, so those ownership laws and those sorts of things that we have in Australia that, that try to keep an equal playing field, and those are under threat at the moment too. Bernie, uh, your thoughts on, on the idea of control of media and how that actually can shift debate and shift understanding one way?
2: Can I tell you, that's an issue that I'm far less concerned about these days. I used to be very concerned about it and there are certainly parts of the world where I travel where that still remains a major issue today. However, uh, today's news world is incredibly fragmented. I can sit um, in my lounge room with my mobile phone or my laptop or my my iPad and I can tap into news services that are spinning 24-7 right around the world. I think currently... On my mobile phone, I have 230,000 radio stations available through a single app. Um, There are too many sources, I think, of of news for us to be too concerned about concentration of media ownership. In fact, I think it's hitting the other way. People are watching free-to-air television far less. I I wonder how the free-to-air television stations will actually survive um, into the next five or ten years. So... my view, irrespective of one's politics, is that the concentration of media ownership really in this, in this world isn't an issue. In fact, we should be concerned about the fragmentation of media and because as we talked about earlier, it's making it so much harder um, for, for news agencies to maintain a really good stable as a um, journalist.
1: Thank you so much to John from Somerset in Tasmania. Our talkback line is open. You might like to join in our conversation today. We're asking the question is the news making you sick? Uh, 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Bernie Dimatt is our guest. Bernie, I think you raised just an amazing point. Uh, as a Christian, when you make reference to a biblical foundation for the idea of having two or three witnesses, uh, because one person's word against another doesn't hold weight, but when there are witnesses, then you have uh, evidence, and evidence is something that appears to be lacking in a lot of news today. If we're talking about how to be critical about how, as a consumer of the news, critical of the news, uh, what are your what's your advice for for listeners thinking, well, you know, how do I apply a critical thinking to the news I'm consuming?
2: Well, the first thing is, if, if you're consuming news through Facebook, which a lot of people are, you have to question the source. And if the source is not a reliable source, if it's one of these clickbait things that we emotively want to jump on and, and believe. Frankly, I completely dismiss that. that. That has no credibility to me. So when there's some outrageous um, quote attributed to a, a world leader or a religious leader, whatever it is, um, or, or there's claims of this happening or that happening around the world, I'm sorry, but frankly, I won't accept them because I simply don't know what's true anymore or not. And, and half the people sharing these posts have no idea whether they're true or not either. We just kind of stupidly accept them as being fact. And, and I think, frankly, that's irresponsible. I, I really do think it's irresponsible. I often get asked to share things on Facebook that I simply won't share and because I don't know what, what their source is. So I think, firstly, it's really worrying and, and being interested in what the source is. And secondly, it's about looking at agenda... <coughs> Pardon me. It's about looking at agenda and being prepared to compare what different news sources are saying. Um, we have it at our fingertips... I think, we just want, I think we just want to consume news uncritically. I remember a business partner of mine once saying that when he was a lad, his teacher said to him, son, you sit and think, but mostly you just sit. I think, I think that's what that applies to us when we consume the news. You know, you flop yourself on the lounge in the evening and you're tired and you're exhausted and you, you just want to sit there and suck it all in and treat it as though it's true. And half the time it's not. So we have to be prepared to be a bit like a jury in a murder trial and go and find out for ourselves. And these days, of course, we can.
1: We're only about a minute out from news, but this idea of just passively receiving whatever we're hearing, whatever we're seeing, uh, that has to be addressed. If you're, uh, if you're a sensible, critical consumer of the news, you can't just passively receive the news. As you say, you've got to find some different sources and perhaps even find some uh, alternative opinions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I deliberately um, um, will go to what I consider to be a somewhat left-leaning um, news source, and also um, something that I consider to be right-leaning. And, and I don't just look at news sources. I look at specific journalists right, um, in, in, in the news. And I will go and read uh, or consume that same piece of news from two or maybe even three different perspectives. Because you know what? I want to make up my own um, mind. I, when I go to the polls, I want to vote based on the facts not based on the tribalism um, that we so often vote vote around. I, to me, that's my responsibility as a citizen.
1: Bernie Dimatt, we just heard the Vision National News, and you know I think those guys do a great job and they bring a Christian worldview to news. Uh, what were your thoughts as you listened in to Jess Drummond, the fabulous Jess Drummond, reading the news?
2: Well, the thing that struck me about the news was that it was completely about reporting the facts. Now... I happen to know that it has a Christian worldview, and and quite clearly it does, Um, but it's simply reported facts. You see, that's, that's what I look for out of the news. We want facts, then we want interpretations, and then we want opinion. And the problem is that often the fact and the interpretation and the opinion are not clearly separated in the news. What we just heard in the vision news were facts. There is a place for interpretation, and there is a place for opinion, but I think sometimes they they're not clearly delineated, and because we aren't consuming the news critically, we don't actually tell the difference between them.
1: And of course, uh, the news that comes onto Vision National News, it's got its own flavour. It's a different feel to the type of news service that you might hear on uh, typical mainstream media, because it has an inclusion of a Christian. Uh, uh, stories and because the stories that you do hear in the mainstream new, uh, news are often uh, filtered through a Christian worldview, uh, oftentimes uh, adjusted just so that uh, there's a, a deeper understanding. And of course, that is in itself, Bernie, applying a sort of a spin uh, without putting our news service down. It applies a sort of a spin, but it uh, applies a spin uh, that tries to get to the to the to the real uh, foundation of, of the truth of the story.
2: Of course, I mean, all news services have a perspective. You can't help that. You, you, you tell your stories from the perspective of where you sit. Interestingly, I was just talking to a, uh, a program director um, of, of a, um, an ABC station, um, and I said to him, I mean, you, you guys are often accused of, of having a left-leaning bent to the news. And he said, well, that's interesting. He said, because when I was the news director of this station, I had some very strict journalistic guidelines that I had to adhere to um, and wherever possible, we try to tell both sides of a news story. And that's what I like. I love to see both sides being told. Um, Donald, Trump is a great, Donald Trump is a great example. I mean, uh, in recent history, there are very few people um, like Donald Trump who are so polarised people. Uh, people either seem to absolutely love him or absolutely hate him. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of middle ground in between. He's a complex guy. Um, And and so um, I like to see reporting about Donald Trump uh, to show me both perspectives. But often I only get the one perspective because that's what the particular agenda um, of the person
1: is. Now, when we talk about taking some time to digest the news and then formulate Mm. your own opinion, uh, the interesting thing with the 24-hour news cycle is that things are changing so quickly Uh, Taking the time to digest. By the time you've digested something, by the time you've formulated an opinion, there's a new opinion that's bombarding your opinion, and uh, and there's challenges in in all of that. So, uh, so what are your thoughts about this? This taking time to digest the news.
2: I think we have to stand back from the cut and thrust of the twenty four hour news cycle. You know, things come and go, and they seem incredibly important. And how many prime ministers have we had in six years? You know, I think we had at one stage, we had five prime ministers in, in six years. And, and each time when the prime ministership was changing, whether it be through the party or whether it be through an election, it seemed to be the hottest thing in town. And of course, they're important issues. Um, but sometimes we are so consumed with the, the the thing that's happening in the heat of the moment that we don't stand back and say, well, what does this all mean? I mean, in the big scheme of things, what's actually going on here Uh, one of the things that that i've thought a lot about is middle class welfare which seems to be doled out by both parties both sides of the house if you will and what's been the impact of welfare or government expenditure for for fairly well-off people we saw the baby bonus we've seen childcare subsidies we've seen um, uh, maternity or paternity leave um, being given to people whether they have a high income or a low income. And what's been the impact of that on our society, on the expectations of people, on our ability to spend money on important pieces of infrastructure to increase economic uh, capacity? I mean, these are the things we need to think about. What what do I think? What do I believe? Should should welfare go to people irrespective of, of income or should it be targeted to those who really need it? As a Christian, I think it's my job to think about those things and formulate my own opinion based on what I hear and see.
1: Bernie, a lot of people might say, well, I'm not necessarily interested in welfare. I'm not interested in taxation. And oftentimes that comes down to, I don't understand how that whole process works. I don't understand uh, when people are crunching numbers and throwing them at me left, right and centre. And so therefore I sort of switch off. But there is, Mm -hmm. as you say, a certain level of stewardship that is required uh, by the Christian believer uh, when it comes to these sorts of issues. So I imagine we've got to get onto a track to try and understand uh, what some of these deeper and important issues are about.
2: Yeah, and that doesn't mean we all have to be uh, news hounds, and it doesn't mean we all have to be intellectuals, and it, you know, it doesn't mean any of that. But I think we have a responsibility as Christians to think about what's going on in our world. And look, you may, Neil, you may have different interests to me. It may be that there is a Christian who, who has interest in in um, uh, the environment, right, and, and what's happening environmentally in our oceans or whatever. Um, for every Australian, uh, every Australian Christian, hey, what do we think about refugees, right? What do we think about Manus Island? What do we think about the approach of the government? It's not an easy issue. I mean, so often this gets, gets dropped down into some really both sides, by the way, of this argument that we should be more lenient or we should be more stringent um, with, with uh, refugees. Come on, what do you think? I mean, you listen to Pauline Hanson, um, you listen to what um, uh, some liberal elements of the church say. What do you think about how we should treat politicians in light of what the Bible says? We need to think about that stuff.
1: We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join our conversation, uh, we're talking about the question, is the news making you sick? And interestingly, coming back to the title of our conversation today, Bernie, uh, let's talk about, you know, there's this idea of, oh, I'm sick of the news. Uh, I'll ditch that because I don't understand it and it all changes so quickly and and I'm not sure whether, you know, I can do anything about that. But in the fact that there is so much fake news or alternative facts or spin doctor-driven headlines, is there a sense in which there is a deeper sickness that may well be Coming upon the nation as a result of uh, all of the way that news is presented these days? Yeah, look,
2: I I think there is. I think the phenomenon that I I see happening is we feel as though the the meta story, the big picture, is out of our control. We feel as though the economy is out of our control. We feel as though the decisions politicians make are out of our control. And so what we do is we, we step back and we try and cocoon ourselves in comfort and luxury and try and ignore what's going on in our nation. As long as, um, as long as I've got enough money, I can go out and buy my coffees, um, things are going well in my life, I can afford to bring up my... As long as things are going well in my life, I don't really care what's happening. I think that's a terrible, terrible sickness. And, and we need to get rid of that. It's a sickness of affluence. It's a, it's a sickness of laziness Um, that I just don't think is acceptable for us as Christians who say we believe in Jesus. I just don't think it is. Uh,
1: When you say the meta story, the big picture, and uh, when we talk about being a Christian, oftentimes we have a little more objectivity about what a big picture means because we've got uh, a beginning to end understanding that God has history in his hands and uh, and we have a level of confidence about that Uh, but the engagement into the big picture uh, and engagement into the smaller issues because we're big picture people I imagine this is something that Christians do have an advantage over others because at least we've got a foundation from which we can speak and speak relevance into a situation.
2: Yeah, just correct your theology there, Neil. It's a beginning to no end picture. It's an eternal, <laughs> okay. it's an eternal picture, right? There is no end. Right, um, whether you I stand spend eternity corrected. With Christ, <laughs> whether you spend eternity with Christ or eternity apart from him, there is no end. And and we we see, I pray that we see, the world through the eyes of incredible love, through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the the, the, the price he was prepared to pay to love not just you and me, but to love the people that we disagree with, to love the people who persecute us, to love the people who belittle us because of our attitude. Hey, our job is to love them back, not in a mamby-pamby sort of a way, but in a, in a way that says, well, you know, this guy's thought about this. I, mean, I know someone who's a Christian who has a totally different perspective um, on, on, on um, same-sex marriage to what I do. And this particular person said to me, look, I, I really disagree with you, but I understand that you have thought your position through. If we're going to have respect um, for, for, our, for our opinions, um, if we're going to have respect for biblical truth, I think we need to demonstrate that, that we have thought our position through, that we have a reason that we can give a defense of our opinions for the hope that's in us.
1: Is there a sense that engaging in the conversations, and sometimes we talk about contending for the faith, uh, but having an understanding of what's happening in the toing and froing and the developments that happen in news is this something that as Christian believers it almost becomes like the foundation for uh, engaging in a conversation in order to be able to bring good news of the gospel. How do you see uh, the good news and the mainstream mu- news and uh, how they might interact Bernie
2: oh I think it's huge. Because you see, it's the mainstream news. It's the things going on. It's the debate about welfare. It's the debate about refugees. It's the debate about taxation reform. And that's where people are living today. I mean, if you're a, a married couple and you're struggling financially, and um, and there's this whole issue of childcare subsidy, and work, this vitally interests you. It vitally interests you. And for us to be able to engage in a loving and yet well-thought-out way in the issues that matter to people totally is about speaking the love of Christ into their lives. I can stand on the soapbox on the corner of the the square and I can yell out um, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's going to bounce off, it's going to wash off people. But if they engage in their lives with the things that matter to them, um, then there is a far greater opportunity at some point to share the love of Jesus Christ, especially, let me say, we come to the news with a heart of love and decency and honour and respect. It speaks volumes about who Jesus is.
0: Helping you make sense
1: of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Bernie Dimit, our guest, asking the question Is the news making you sick? 1 800 316 316. Let's take a call. First of all, Bernie from uh, Shelby in Sunnybank in Queensland. Hello, Shelby. Welcome along.
4: Hello, Neil, Bernie. Mate, uh, the uh, news uh, as it is these days doesn't make me sick. It makes me disgusted. <laughs> I, I just can't believe that we can't get that much truth these days, and especially with the invent of the Google, or, well, not so much the Google, but the Facebook and the fake stuff that you guys are talking about. <laughs> it is just frightening. With this pagan world... It is just frightening. And, of course, um, the self-centeredness of uh, journalists, uh, journalism these days, too, it, it's gone away from what you were saying, Bernie. Um, the true facts, as the Christian, uh, Christian vision media tries to present uh, in a biblical way, um, they've just gone away from it. It's all self-centered. It's all you know, promoting themselves and their own agenda, um, which um, is not the way I understood. My son's a journey. And the way I understood when he studied it, it was supposed to be a, a, a two-sided uh, conversation uh, and script that was written in the paper.
1: Shelby, interesting thoughts in there. And uh, your, your response, Bernie?
2: Yeah, sometimes you feel like you need a shower after the news, don't you? Um, and, and that's just the way things are headed. And I think that makes it even more important to seek out news sources, and particularly um, down to the journalists, Um, of people who not just present what you agree with. I'm not saying that. I think if we just listen to people that we agree with, we become very, very narrow. For me, one of the really important things is understanding the people that I don't agree with. Um, Back to that same-sex marriage um, debate. I live in a part of Sydney, which is really the gay district of Sydney. I interact with people every day and need to show them the love of Jesus Christ. And so I, I come back to, I look for journalists and for news sources where I understand their perspectives and I try and, and gather truth, objective truth for myself by listening to those different perspectives. I think that's, that's the responsibility that's upon all of us now um, in this really confused, really messed up news world in which we live.
1: Thanks to Shelby from Sunnybank in Queensland. Let's squeeze in one more call. Christine from Glen Innes in New South Wales. Hi, Christine. Welcome along. Hello. Christine, what are your thoughts?
2: It's good to be with you. Um, Well, I've grown up, I guess, listening to the news. I I had a mother um, who very much wanted to know what was going on in the world. Uh, I found some people... Some friends who were Christians, they kind of went the other way where they didn't they were not ever exposed to anything. Um, but my mother did give me an interest in knowing what was going on in the world, and I've tried to pass that
4: on to my own children
2: um, I mean being wise, obviously, I have got older teenagers and adults now um, but other just to try to get them as children to think about other people and other things other than themselves
1: Uh, christine good thoughts your response bernie
2: oh that is so good christine i mean i I think that's one of the challenges for the the growing up generation i think it's the challenge not just for for the millennials and the gen y's but it's the challenge at every generation as it goes from childhood to adulthood to start thinking about someone other than themselves i think it was paul keating who said when in doubt back self-interest i mean it's a it's a little bit politically cynical But in a sense, it's true. You see that from political parties. You see that from news outlets where they simply speak into self-interest and people become very inwardly focused. They become very selfish. And that's not not a, a satisfying way to live. But teaching our young people to think about what's happening in other people's worlds by consuming the news critically is a really, really important skill to teach them.
1: Christine from Glen Innes in New South Wales, thanks so much for calling in and being part of 2020 today. Uh, Won't be able to take any more calls. uh, Just a couple of minutes remaining, Bernie. Uh, Any developments in Christianity works that are going on in your world right now?
2: Yeah, look, we've got a few exciting things. We have a new project. Um, I'm now doing a daily three-minute video devotion, um, which uh, when it was suggested to me by Rima Media over in New Zealand, I thought they were nuts. there you go. So people can subscribe to that at Christianity Works. It's called Fresh, and they can receive a daily three-minute video devotion from us. Um, But we're really reaching, uh, Neil, into India and across Africa in a a powerful way. God's opened many doors for effective ministry, and it's a real... Privilege to be able to serve God that way.
1: Now, you have a lot of publications, uh, you've written a lot of books, uh, you're on a yeah. thousand radio stations plus in 160 countries around the world. I know you'd like yeah. to uh, give a, a booklet to interested listeners today. Your extraordinary life awaits. What's that one about?
2: Well, look, God does have an extraordinary life for you and me, and in a sense, that's what we've been talking about today on the program engaging with a lost and hurting world and sharing the love of Christ using the gifts and the abilities and the resources that he's given us. We're all different, but God does have an extraordinary life waiting for each one of us, even though that might be difficult to see, given what we have going on in our lives at the moment. So the book is called Your Extraordinary Life Awaits. And again, just hop onto ChristianityWorks.com and uh, you can request your
1: copy. Okay, it's ChristianityWorks.com to request your copy of that book, and it'll be free and uh, simply christianityworks.com. The book is called Your Extraordinary Life Awaits. Well, time has run out, Bernie, and thanks so much for taking some time to engage what is a very, very important topic for us to talk about. And we started talking about, is the news making you sick? And uh, there's a lot of dimensions to talk about there and uh, really appreciate your insights as always and look forward to doing this again on another day. So, Bernie Dimatt, thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thanks, man.